This is the Kaniac Report. I am Sam Wallace. And I am Sam Driscoll. And you know what? What? Mr. Anderson is back. Yes, he is. All right, guys, we are back with another episode of the Kaniac Report. We hope you have had a great week. And Kane's mostly had a pretty good week. Uh, at this point right now, we are recording before the Vancouver game. So you'll get that game and the ending of this episode after that game. And we'll Sam, get to don't give some... away all of the uh, all of the secrets of the podcast now. And, you know, got to keep some of it for suspense and thrill. Yes, but I also just want them to have some <laughs> clarity and understanding. That's all I want. That's all I want for our listeners, Sam. So what, we'll, what we will do is we'll go through some Canes news, and then we'll get into the Canes games. And, I mean, again, it was a pretty good week for the Hurricanes. We have not yet, as again, as we're recording this, cover, or seeing the Vancouver game. But uh, just for you guys that are new to the podcast, we kind of like to give you a gist of what you're going to listen to. So the first bit of news is that we had another giveaway for the Pittsburgh game, which we won 2-1 to one in. Uh, we're not getting those hat tricks anymore <laughs> in those giveaway games. So. Yeah, that was, that was pretty funny how at least two of them, I think, were hat tricks, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it, it, it was pretty cool, but we're not getting them anymore. But uh, congrats to at the Big Cheese three four five. I believe his name is also Sam Hoover. Congratulations! We've hoped you have had a great win against Pittsburgh, an arena that probably had a lot of Pittsburgh fans. Because whenever there's a game against Pittsburgh at PNC Arena, you're going to see a lot of Penguins fans. Yeah, very true. It's always like that. Um... It's sad, too, really, because, you know, a lot of times they're cheering for the Hurricanes, except when Pittsburgh comes to town. They're just a bunch of bandwagon imposters, so thanks for giving the Hurricanes your money, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I guess that is true. Um, it's that in Washington. Washington? Uh, no, I don't really think there's a lot of fans. I'm sorry, it. sorry, not Washington. I meant Rangers. Rangers? Yeah. New, there's a New lot New of York Rangers teams, fans. Uh, Boston, a lot of New England, but that's because those places are such... Crappy places to live. They moved down here. Oh, so. my gosh. Look, you know what? If they can talk crap about us being, you know, calling us, uh, what is it, poverty franchise? No. No, let's be honest. It's the Rangers and the Bruins of the world that are the poverty franchises. What we will get to next in the Canes news is that Rob Brindamore is named the all-star coach for the Metro team. Uh, congrats to him. I mean... I when I first saw that, Sam, I, I told you I laughed so hard because uh, he doesn't care. <laughs> he doesn't care. He really doesn't. And the fact that we were on a losing streak, I believe, when that happened, uh, we all thought that he, he wanted the losing streak to happen. Of course, we're being funny and all that type of stuff because he didn't want to coach the All-Star team yeah except the all-star committee if there ever is one was like uh-uh you're not getting out of this rob brindenburg you're being the coach for the metro team and he's probably like dang it 
Well, you know, it's good for Rod Brendamore. He got his 200th win, gets to coach the all-star team, and he might even get two of his players there to, to play with him with Natchez and Svechnikov. So <clears throat> I hope I hope Natchez gets in. I think he's earned it. Oh, I think he's earned it, too. I believe ye- uh, yesterday, Saturday, was the last day yeah. to vote Natchez in. So let's hope he wins. Yeah, it'd be a, it would be fitting to announce it today at the Vancouver game, too. It's his birthday, especially if he gets in. So that would be cool. Yes, definitely. And speaking of Brendan Moore, like you just said, he got his 200th win against Columbus, which we will get to. But he's also the third fastest coach uh, to get to 200 wins. I believe Dan Blyasma yep. was up there. I can't remember who the other coach was, though. I'm not sure off the top of my head. But Dan Blyasma was a great coach for Pittsburgh, so... Oh, he surprised was. He coached them during the the prime of the Crosby, Malkin, Latang era. So, I think he took took them to back to back cups. So good for good for that. Yeah, it was against Detroit, I believe, in the 09, Yep, oh ten season. So good for Rob Rendamore. He's definitely earned it. I mean, it's not even close. I think Rendamore has been clearly the best coach for this team. Yeah. Um, I think Paul Maurice still has more wins than Rob Brandenmore, but Paul Maurice coached this team twice, so expected. Yes. So the other piece of news that we will get to is that it was announced this past week that Kevin Weeks will be a part of the broadcasting team for the outdoor game. Perfect selection. Yeah, former Hurricane, funny guy. I like it. Um, Just wish they would reveal the jerseys. I know it's taking them forever. Yeah, you would hope it happens sooner rather than later, but I guess we'll find out. Yeah, so hopefully we'll find out. Maybe tonight? Maybe tonight. Maybe announce it during the game? Just saying, it's a home game. Yeah, possibly. Uh, Although um, the game is more of today's game than tonight because it starts at 5 o'clock, but it does end at nighttime. But, um, yeah, we'll see uh, if... We'll get the uniforms for the outdoor game soon because I know both you who are listening to us and us that are talking really want to see what those uniforms look like. We already know what the logo looks like. I love the logo. So I'm guessing that it's probably going to be a black, maybe a little bit of gray and red in the jersey, I think that might be just the colors because of what the logo is, but it's going to be very interesting, and I I really can't wait for the outdoor game, and and it's going to be awesome. I mean, we're going to be at the game, of course, but if you aren't, I mean, you'll get to listen to Kevin Weeks, who has been a a hurricane, but also has made I think one of the best saves as a goaltender for us against i believe it was either new jersey or montreal it was during the playoffs i believe where kevin weeks remember he makes that huge glove save i can't remember no and i i don't remember the game either particularly off the top of my head but kevin weeks is you know he definitely has ingrained himself in hurricanes history he's a good player makes sense to let him be a member of the team uh, that uh, broadcasts the um, outdoor game, which will be fun, and we'll be there. Yes, definitely. Actually, I think it was against New Jersey, now that I remember it. Okay. Now. it, it we'll, we'll be there uh, freezing our butts off. 
Well, we'll see what the weather's like. Hopefully, it's bearable. Well, it needs to be cold so the ice will be okay. <laughs> so that's the thing. He's like, you, you hope it's cold enough so they don't have any technical issues, but then you don't want it to be so cold that you're freezing your butt off. But either way, it's, it's an experience. The outdoor game's an experience. There are still tickets available resale so if you can afford them go get your tickets um they're not cheap unfortunately but it's gonna be sold out crowd um but we just need to make sure we're louder than any caps fans there we need to make them know let them know this is a home game yes definitely as it's being played at carter finley stadium which is right across the street from pnc yep so, uh, the last piece of news that we want to talk about today is that Frederick Anderson comes back in the Columbus game. Again, we'll get to the game, but Anderson so far has played very good. Yeah. He's, he's done a couple of boneheaded decisions, which we'll get to. Well, one. Just one big one. Yeah, just one big one. Yeah. Um, yeah but Freddie has looked that. a lot more like the Freddie from last season. So I really wonder if he was hurt to start the year and he just wasn't fully healthy. He gets back and he's he's healthy now, and that's good. And he looks healthy. He looks ready. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Anderson plays again tonight, uh, mainly because he's going to get some time off. He's he, we're going to get time off between now and the next game. I think the next home game is or the next game is Thursday. Thursday. Yes. So there's plenty of time off between now and then. So I could see him doing back to back for sure. Um, so it could go either way. You can go back to Anderson or you can go to Kachetkov. So I'd rather go back to Kachetkov because there's also Ronta too, but I think Kachetkov is probably going to start. I think Ronta's hurt. Me. I think Ronta's. He's always hurt. <laughs> I think Ronta's dealing with something minor, but, um, we'll see. I mean, yeah, I would think this would be a good game to maybe try and get Kachetkov back in his groove. You know, We'll see. I'm not opposed to Anderson starting or Kachetkov. I'm pretty cool with it being either way. But um, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But uh, I think today's game, what I want to see from the game today is I want to see Kachetkov or Anderson have another good game. Kachetkov needs a good game. Anderson would be nice to see him string three together if he starts. And then I want to see the offense score. (laughs) <laughs> like, I want to see the offense put the puck in the net. I love that the defense is scoring, but I want to see the offense put the puck in the net. That's their job. Yes, well, the offense did score in the game that we're going to get to. Let's just get to it, the Devils game. And this will probably be the most talked game, probably, uh, depending on how, how the Vancouver game goes. Because, boy, this Devils game was something. And to be honest, I think every game we face against the Devils is a very fun game for us to watch because these are two teams, both New Jersey and Carolina, who, I mean, are pretty on the, are on the young side and are very, very good at the transition game from defense to offense. I always like watching Canes and Devils games for that reason. So first period, you have Cockneyemi scoring from Netches. And that was actually a win off of the faceoff from Netches, who passes it to KK and scores. And that was actually also on the PK. So that's a shorthanded goal. And the penalty kill was pretty good that game. Yeah. I mean, I don't really. Penalty kill's been pretty good lately. I think they've been elite lately. 
I mean, you get two shorthanded goals in the game, and you're killing off penalties. There really was only one big, glaring, monumental problem in this game. And it was five-on-five defense and your goaltending and the Devils game. It was just not good. And and honestly, I won't lie. When we started that game, when we scored that first goal, because we were just coming at New Jersey, they were giving them nothing. They were playing tough. I was like, wow, I think we're going to, I think we're going to dominate New Jersey again. And we started to, we were playing better than the Devils that first two periods. I mean, we start that game, we get a great shorthanded goal. I mean, it was a beautiful shot from KK. We were right behind the net that game. We sat in the lower level. And it was a gorgeous face-off win by Natchez to KK with a gorgeous shot and a goal. And it was shorthanded. And at that point, you're like, oh my goodness, you're scoring shorthanded goals. You're probably going to win the game. I think that's reasonable to believe. Um, and KK has been playing fantastic, I think, for the yeah. past few weeks. He's really elevated his game, I thought. I oh, thought. absolutely. And you're thinking, okay, we're, we're playing good, we're looking good, and then New Jersey gets a rush and a shot on goal. Should be a routine save. Kochetkov, and I think if Kochetkov is is playing good, he stops it. But it just literally squeaks in. Yeah, that was a very bad goal to give up because you could tell in that Siegenthaler goal that he's kind of cheating a little bit because he thought Siegenthaler was going for the pass. Yeah. So he cheats a little bit. He doesn't get over entirely. And because of that, he leaves an opening uh, with his pads a little bit um, in in the goal. And that's what the puck does. They, they reviewed the goal. And I remember because we were at the game, we didn't really see any camera proof as of for 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 a while of like well I didn't see it going until they showed uh, the camera I believe from another angle of where the puck was shot at yeah and the puck does go in that is a very bad goal that to me that's all on Kachetkov yeah I mean honestly I, I feel like most of these goals were on Kachetkov. Um, it was frustrating, to say the least, in this game. I thought the first two goals were definitely on him, and then I thought the other ones were just very bad defense. I mean, you could blame the Mercer goal on D- on Martinuk, because Martinuk was on Mercer, and he just let up on Mercer, and he came right in um, in the second period to score. Now, before that, what was good is Pacioretty, that's a bright spot at this point for the Hurricanes. It's Patch Reddy's pl- playing excellent despite being on a losing streak because the Canes were on a losing losing streak heading into the Devils game. Yeah. And Patch Reddy was had as many goals in as many games as he's been playing, so you know, that was great. He scores. And then Aho scores from Terravine and Pesh. You know, the shorthanded, it was a shorthanded two on one. Made to- made uh, former Hurricane Dougie Hamilton not look so good. Yeah, made him look look a little sheepish there. So and then you go up and you're up three to one. You're like, okay, we're feeling pretty good. Then in the last thirty seconds of the third second period, it just breaks down. Carolina breaks down defensively. I think I I believe if Kochetkov is playing good, he stops both of these goals because he's got a great poke check. And those were instances where he should have done so. And at the very least, on one of the goals, he should have had a... If his stick's on the ice, he stops it. 
but he gets beaten the same exact way twice. Twice. Yes. And that is like, oh dear God, how did we go from three to one to three to three going in to the third? Well, one, again, is, is, to me, this is a combination of both the defense and the goaltending. Now, Martinuk, he should have been on his on his man, which was Mercer, who got the goal. But Kachekov, he should have saved that because the difference between the Mercer and the Boquist goal is that with the Boquist goal, Boquist just gets behind Coglin, who falls face on the ice, and Sam, you and I both agreed, after that Devils game, Coglin is not an NHL player anymore. Uh, he led. To, he 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 basically helped New Jersey get two goals in the fact that he couldn't defend. He's not a good skater, and with New Jersey, they are t- honestly. I think New Jersey's probably the fastest team right down the NHL. And you put someone who's not a good skater like Coglin on the ice, he's going to get burned. You're going to get burnt, he's going to get beat, he's going to get embarrassed. And that's unfortunate, because I really felt like up until then, he looked okay in that game. He had a couple of really good shots. I mean, he's got an unbelievably good shot. I wish we could take his shot and give it to Burns, because Burns doesn't shoot enough. So I would love to give Coglin's desire to shoot to Burns. I think we have a great player in Burns. Um, so, you know, I just, it's unfortunate Coglin's not going to work out here. Not the end of the world. It was a free player that we got. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Move on. Yes, move on. And to be honest, I mean, we talked about this just before we start recording. I think we should either trade him because you get some cap space. Yeah. If you don't put him on waivers, someone else can pick him up for free. That's fine because you basically got the player for free. And if you do, then I would bring up Maxime Lejoie. I think Maxime Lejoie is better. Than Dylan Coughlin. I think he Lejoie skates can skate better. More. Yeah, Lejoie can skate better. Um, he, he might not have the shot, but I mean, Cog. I mean, yeah, Coughlin might have the shot, but I'd. I mean, to be honest, I'd rather have a player that skates well than just them being known for their shot. Again, you can have a good shot, but to me, what separates you from being a good to a great player is knowing when to shoot. And I don't think Coughlin knows that in the NHL. Unfortunately, he's great in the AHL. I thought he, I, I believe he was lighting it up for Chicago. Good for him. But there are just, I mean, that's just the way reality is, is the fact that there, there are AHL, or there are just players that are really good in the AHL are not cut out to be in the NHL. Which is, you know, it's not the end of the world for sure. Um, I'm just taking a look here at cap friendly so we have an idea of what we're talking about with with Dylan Coglin. So Coglin's contract is 765. So you can move it off or 762. So moving it off the books doesn't give you a lot of space, but it gives you some. Um, but we have the ability to do that and then you can bring up uh Lejoie for sure. I mean, Maxime Lejoie's hit is seven fifty, so not a big deal. Yeah, not a big deal. We can. I mean, I would if if I was Waddell, I would just do a swap of sending Coglin down. If you can't get anything for him, that's fine because you got him for free. Send yep. him down, bring up Lejoie up. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's okay. That's not the end of the world. Um, 
Or maybe you get Jake Gardner back. You know I'm not the Jake Gardner fan. <laughs> and to be honest, his Carlin's skating ability does a little bit, even though I think it's worse, it does a little bit remind me of Jake Gardner's skating ability because he's not a fast player. We've seen him get beat several times. Yeah, for sure. And the way this team is structured is that you need to have pretty good skating ability because this team's really fast. Which is good. You need to have a fast team. And to be honest, I think Carolina on paper is a better team than New Jersey. I have more faith in Carolina's defense than New Jersey's defense. I have, yeah. If goaltending is good, I have more faith in Anderson or Kachekov or Ronta. Well, maybe not Ronta, but Kachekov or Anderson, when they're on, I have more faith in them than I probably would Vanacek or Blackwood. It just depends on the night sometimes when it comes to our goaltending. So it, I really think Carolina is a better team than New Jersey, but the one thing I'll give to New Jersey, I do think they're a faster team than us. Yep. And I think that's fair. I think they're younger than us. But I think Carolina's ability, our top four's ability to shut down the best of the best is so good. Slavin, Pesci, and uh, Shea and uh, Burns are just great. Oh, I think they're top three in, in the whole league in terms of defense. Oh, Carolina's sure. great. It's just when things get hard, Carolina's offense can dry up a bit. And... um they cannot manage the puck well when if, if if they're really off on their game. And we've seen that a couple of times. I think of the game at Florida where it, we lost 3 nothing. That was a complete dud because they didn't show anything. But yeah. Carolina, when they're on their game, I think they're one of the most dangerous teams in, a, in the NHL. And I would put them up where Boston's at. Yeah, for sure. And I think... Um... Nick, you said the hockey guy thinks Carolina is the one team that can beat him. Yeah, Bruins. and and the hockey guy, he's a Boston fan too. So I think that's a, I think that's good. Yes, definitely. So let's uh, finish the game. Uh, obviously, heading into the third period, it is tied three to three. Very disappointing. You can tell the crowd goes completely silent when New Jersey ties it, and then New Jersey wins it with Mercer. Um, getting the goal. He goes past Coglin again. Yeah. And I, to me, that was all on defense right there because he just went past Coglin right in between him and Kachekov. And Kachekov's kind of a no man's land when he does that. I thought that was more on Coglin than it was on Kachekov. So New Jersey is able to get the league. Now, before that goal, there was a high stick. Yeah, the play was... <clears throat> the New Jersey Devils knocked the puck down with a high stick. Play wasn't called, and they kept going. And it was not reviewable because it wasn't in the offensive zone. Which I think is total and utter BS. Oh, I, th- I think it is, too. Now, there have been discussions on this with, I believe, between NHL... I wouldn't be surprised if it was within... With, NHL GMs, uh, definitely Monks fans, though, is 
the fact that, well, if you make everything reviewable, it's going to slow down and drag the game. And I do think to some extent that's true, but I think, one, to me, that's really narrow-minded in the fact that I think everything should be reviewable yeah, because of the fact of how fast the game is. And if you're listening to us and you sit on the lower levels, it is completely different than sitting up in 300 level sections because it is so, so fast. The high stick in in the defensive zone can lead to a goal because of how fast the game is. Yeah, for sure. And I think everything, some, especially something like that, should be reviewable because of how the game is. Yeah. Now, if it was like what the game was back in the 80s, maybe not. Because back in the 80s or 90s, I mean, it wasn't a game of speed at all. Yeah. It really wasn't. But now it's gotten, the league's gotten younger, it's gotten faster which means refs have to really be on point when they make calls. They miss that. And to be honest, if we went with what Brennamore suggested with the officials, if they had an official up in the, uh, in, in the booth somewhere up, uh, up top, I think he could have caught that. Yeah, and I think that's the way you should go. Um, and I thought, honestly, if you want to make everything reviewable... I think that's fine, too, for one reason and one reason alone. You penalize the team if they review something incorrectly for delay a game. So you get punished for it. So it's not like you slows it down. So, yeah, you need to be sure when you choose to challenge something or ask for a review for something. I think that's reasonable. And that won't slow the game down, I think, really. Because if it's, if it's fact, if, it's, if there is absolutely something missed there and it's obvious with review, it's not going to take long. Exactly. I was about to bring that point up. This is a professional league, and I would say the biggest professional league in the world. Yep. And if this is a professional league, you need to have professional officials that can spot that in like... Am I expecting like three seconds? Oh, gosh, no. No. Am I expecting at least a minute? Yes. It should... Especially with a high stick like that. I mean, we all know if it is above the shoulders, it's a high stick. You should be able to pinpoint whether that's a high stick or not, hopefully within just a couple minutes. Yeah. Just a couple minutes. I would say at the most three. But, like, it really should not take a lot of time to... review plays and to be honest if there is then maybe the process should change because sam i get a little bit fed up with the fact that they make plays based on an ipad they look at an ipad i don't like that i think everything should go to toronto in my opinion but again this is just my opinion i think everything should go to toronto i don't think you can judge plays on an ipad but if you can then do it, but do it correctly. So that's my stance on it. I I was just, I mean, the high stick was very frustrating for Kane's fans, obviously, because... It was obvious. It wasn't like... It was obvious. It's unfortunate. I think, I I really think the officiating this week has not been great. 
Um, this I think it's been fine mainly this past week. It's just that one instance that made me mad. Well, I don't think they were good in this game here, and I don't think they were good in the Penguins game. I think I think Pittsburgh got away with murder in the last ten minutes of the game, and Carolina got called for ticky tack stuff. So, I, look, what Hurricanes fans are going to say, and I'm not, and I'm not saying again. I've never said that calls against the Carolina Hurricanes. I rarely argue them. When I where I argue calls called against us, it's on a few instances, and usually when it's embellishment because it always goes our way, always gets called on the Hurricanes, always, always, always. It's rarely ever called against the other team. All every fan, every fan base wants, and I'll say it again. I'll say it every episode if I have to. We just want the game called fairly. If, if trip is called or something that was like close. You call trip on them. If you hook and it's a barely a hook and you call it on us, call it on them if they do the exact same play. You cannot, you cannot, cannot call the game unfairly. Call it evenly. If a trip is one way, it should be the other way. If it's a hook, if it's a slash, if it's a cross check, if you're going to let them play, let them play. I'm more in favor of letting them play. I'm okay if you don't call penalties throughout the whole games unless it's an absolute egregious missed call. Let him play. I don't have a problem with it. I just want to call it fairly, which it wasn't in Pittsburgh for sure. And then that was just an embarrassing missed call again there that cost a call. that directly resulted to a goal. I, I don't always blame goals on refs. I do that less, but I do that one. That goal in particular is squarely on the shoulders of the officiating, squarely on their shoulders. It should have been stopped. Never the chance never should have happened. Play should have been blown dead. Period. Nothing else, nothing transpires after that if the play is called dead for an obvious, obvious, obvious call. Well, I mean, the ref said to Brendan Moore, because you, you can tell Brendan Moore was a little bit livid after that. And the refs just told him, listen, we can't review it because they're not allowed to. And that's, that, that, to me, that's another instance where I blame the rule book than the officials, because the officials, they can't make the rules. They just enforce them. No, but they should have caught that. You're staring right at the puck. Yeah, you should have caught that, though. I mean, that's just blatant. Blatant miscall. And, and now they can't review it because of the rules. So, err on the side of... You know, if you think it's... Call the heist, call it. Stop play. That's the way to go. And the ozone? Sure. I probably wouldn't call it in the ozone if it's close. You know, don't call it in the ozone. That's fine. You score, it's in the ozone. You can challenge it, grill it back. But if it's anywhere else, stop play. It's okay to stop play and have a face-off. It's not the end of the world. That is what you should do. Yeah, well, that's all I'm going to say about the high stick. I wanted to talk about that because I don't, I, I don't like it, but it is what it is. And eventually, Hishay gets a goal, not because he scores on it, but because Jordan Stahl made a penalty, and the refs just awarded him a goal. Now, to me... And it's just like that I'm fine with. No, that's how the game is. That's, that's just how the game is. Yeah. And it makes sense, too. Like, if you get penalized and you're about to score on an empty net, you should be awarded it. Yeah, that's always the way it's been. It's not unusual. It happened to us. It, it actually was something that happened last year, too. Um, D'Angelo, I think, threw a stick at, at the player. Boston player. I, yeah, I think uh, it was at Boston. It was. It was. And you know what? It's Boston, so acceptable. <laughs> I think it was at Marshan, so again, acceptable. 
Oh my gosh. Okay, so we'll get to the Columbus game here. And this game, Hurricanes finally in the four-game losing streak. And this, if you were a defenseman, you scored in this game. Yeah. You were a defenseman, you scored every game since the New Jersey game. Except for only one defenseman hasn't scored. Calvin DeHaan. <laughs> yeah, Calvin DeHaan. So uh, the first period so you Calvin have... DeHaan scores today? Calling it now? Oh, that'd be funny. Calvin DeHaan scores today. That'd be happens? very funny. I'm calling it now. Calvin DeHaan gets a goal today. Oh, you, you know the Hurricanes on Twitter, they do the contest for the first goal contest. That, that's what we, we should enter in as Calvin DeHaan. Calvin DeHaan. <laughs> so first period, uh, Canes come out playing very good. And it's Pesci scoring from Tara Vinen and Kakaniami. And what's interesting, I mean, I was looking at all these goals um, this morning. And Pesci, well, yeah, a lot of these goals, not just the Pesci one, uh, were scored directly almost from the faceoff circle. Because KK, he wins it. Uh, Tara, and I believe... And I believe Tara Vinen gets the puck along the boards, passes passes it to Pesci, and he just snipes it off of the inside of the post and in. That was such a great shot and a great goal. I was a little bit stunned because we know Pesci, when it comes to shooting from the point, is, hasn't made the wisest decisions at times, but good for him. Pesci scores, and that's when all the other defensemen for Carolina Decides to be like, wait, if Pesci scores, that means I can score. Yeah. And that's what happened. So Burns, he gets a goal from Jarvis and Slavin. Again, this was a little bit off the faceoff. It wasn't as quick as the Pesci one, but it, I believe it was Ajo that wins it off of the faceoff circle. And, it, and Slavin, I believe... Passes it to Jarvis, who I believe, I believe kind of redirects it to Burns and kind of gets Corpusalo to come out of his net a lot, and he just scores on a beautiful wraparound goal. Yep. It, was, it, it was perfect. It was excellent. 2 nothing Hurricanes. And then it's Sean Corrales scoring from Columbus. Uh, I think that's something Anderson would like to have back. But this was his first game back for a long time, so... Giving him some it's, wiggle room here. Yeah, giving him some wiggle room, I think, is very important. But I think after that Corrali goal, Anderson looked solid. And yeah, this was the game where Anderson can't, comes back, was at Columbus. And we, and we knew heading into this game, Canes have been on a four-game losing streak. So, yes, you want to get goals to win, but the most important thing to look at is how is the goalie going to do? How is our defense going to be like? And we hadn't getting goaltending. So the last couple games getting some really, you know, Columbus and now Pittsburgh getting really, really good goaltending has been great. Yes, it has. And the Columbus game really showed that Anderson can get back into form. And I think the Penguins game just... Put just solidifies it basically. So we go into the second period, and it is as Trip would like to call Chatmandu. We're going to Chatmandu. 
scoring on a shorthanded goal from Foss. So Hurricanes were actually on the penalty kill, and, and I believe what happened is that Foss was able to get it out of the zone, and Chatfield, with his amazing speed and skate ability, skating ability, gets the puck in the neutral zone and just goes right past the defenseman and just goes forehand back in and scores on a beautiful goal. Chaffield, man, he has been excellent. Yeah, he's been great these last few games. He really has. Now, I know there are probably some people who think he could be a top four defenseman, maybe. I don't see him as a top four. I think he's a good top six. Maybe at times he can play a top four. But he's young. He's got he's, plenty of time to develop. I wouldn't be surprised to see him in top four. I wouldn't be surprised to see him at, at some point. If he stays, you know, bottom four or the bottom pair, I could still see him as a power play specialist in the future for sure. He's got a good shot. He's got good speed, good stick handling. He could be a quarterback for the power play. So I could see that be a possibility in the future as well. Not now. I mean, he's going to be in the NHL next year for sure, but he's, you know, he's league minimum. So that's great. Yes, that is going to be great, but I I don't think he's clearly, if you look at our defense, the fifth best defenseman. Yeah, no, he is. I mean, like you can't you can't push out Burns or Pesci. No, not at all. And I think we're and I think that shows the 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 ability of the team. I really don't think we have much depth on the back end right now, and I think that's where the team's going to struggle. The fact that we were playing Coglin a lot was like, okay, is there a problem with Dehan? I think Dehan's been fine, but I think getting that other defenseman would be good. And like I said, Adam Gold kind of made an argument for D'Angelo coming back and his podcasts after the game against the Penguins. I'm fine with that. I'm okay with that. I would love it. I think he's not playing well in in Philadelphia, but nobody is. It's not a good team. And I think our system fits Tony D'Angelo's. Yes, it does. And what was interesting, though, is, I mean, I remember it was during the draft when we traded him to Philadelphia. Man, we got a lot of picks. We got a lot of picks and all that type of stuff. And to me, what was interesting, though, is I, I looked at this from Philadelphia standpoint. I'm like, man, this could really work out or it could turn to be really sour due to the fact that Tony D'Angelo, he can be outspoken, of course. But you also have a coach in Tortorella who's very outspoken as well. I don't feel like that group... Tortorella, and I don't think Tortorella and D'Angelo are a good match, and I think we've seen that. I haven't heard anything to make me think that, you know, there's a problem there, per se. But it wouldn't surprise me if there is one that's just being kept in the locker room. Um, I love Torts. I think he's a great coach. If it's not, if Rod Brendamore is not our coach, I would want Paul Maurice or John Tortorella to coach this team. I'd rather want John. Well, I mean, Carolina is good defensively, so maybe Paul Maurice could. But I, I might want John Tortorella maybe a bit more. I don't know. I, I would be. I think both of those teams, those both of those coaches, are my choices after Rod. That being said, I don't think Tortorella is a good man. And that's not set. And I'm, look, I'm not knocking Tony D'Angelo or John Tortorella. Some coaches and some players don't get along. Everybody loves Rob Brendamore. And it's very, 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 very rare that 
a player hasn't gotten along with Robert Rendemore, but there has been that instance where, like, Eric Halla hated his system, didn't work out. Unfortunate, because I liked a lot of what Eric Halla did when he was a Hurricane. Now, Early in the season, he was great, but yeah, then Eric Halla just wasn't good. And he, left, he needed to go. And it was a sour breakup there, and the fans don't like him anymore. He has said some things about the team and about the organization and about the coach that fans did not like very much, and no one likes Eric Halla. Happens. Again, not saying anything necessarily on Eric I'm not saying that Eric Hall is a bad player or that Tony D'Angelo is a bad player. It's just sometimes the match doesn't there for the coach. And I believe that Tony D'Angelo in Carolina works. I am now all on that train. Let's bring him back. Let's get it. It's one year with five. It's the rest of this season at five, next year at five. I don't even think that we have goaltending that we have to deal with or... I don't, even, I don't even think we have a defenseman up next year. DeHaan and Coughlin, you bring back D'Angelo, and that fixes that. You're not bringing him back. Yeah, maybe. My, my, my whole thing with getting D'Angelo is, to me, one, I don't... I think... How, how can I rephrase this here? Uh, the power play, I don't think it's just an... Issue you can put on your quarterback. I'm not. I'm not arguing at this point to bring in D'Angelo for the power play. I'm arguing bring in D'Angelo to add to that depth, that ability to score. It means you have a. You mean you if you have DeHaan, then look at it this way: you've got Burns, Slavin. That's going to stay the same. Shea Pesci. That's going to stay the same. Then you got Chatfield, and you've got um, D'Angelo. So they both shoot have, right. You do, and that's fine. That, right? I don't have a problem. Like, I don't have a problem. I don't feel the need to have the left and the right. Whatever. That's not that big of a deal to me. You bring in D'Angelo, you can have D'Angelo and, and DeHaan, D'Angelo, Chatfield, Chatfield, you know, whatever, and then you can put D'Angelo on that second power play unit. So then you've got two quarterbacks, two people who can score. D'Angelo's going to get points because he's got great hockey sense. He's got better hockey sense than I think than Brent Burns. So he's got that ability to make those passes that I don't think Burns has. But Burns just needs to shoot more on the power play. That's his bread and butter is a shot. And that creates chances. Get the puck on net, creates some opportunities. I think I think that gives you a really solid depth move and shores up the top, your entire defensive core for that the rest of this year and all of next year. You don't have to worry about that bottom pair next year if you bring in D'Angelo. It just kind of shores up some ability. You're going to have plenty of cap space next year. Stalls off the books. Pacioretty's off the books. Um, DeAnderson and Ronta are off the books. Um, you have a lot of players that'll come off of the books next year that I believe really are going to, you're going to have a lot of cap space to to work with. Yes, but you have to. And Stahl's not coming back at six. No, he's not. We're not bringing Anderson and Ronta back. You're going to bring back one. Kochetkov's your starter next year. I think that's obvious. You bring back Anderson or Ronta maybe, but I don't think that, I don't think either of them come back next year. So I think you do sign a backup goaltender, a solid backup goaltender, you know, like a James Reimer, for for example. I'm not saying it's Reimer, but you bring someone like that back that's healthier. I love Ronta. I love Freddie. But I want a goalie who can stay healthy. <laughs> yes, I do too. And I, I don't know if Kane should go for a backup at once Anderson and Ronta leave because i do think both of them are going to leave but i think they kind of need probably a 1a or 1b goalie at the least because i don't think Kachakov right now is a starting goalie i think he is at, i think right now he's a backup 
Kachakov is. So maybe you bring in like more of a 1A, 1B goaltender than a purely no. a backup. No, nope. but you start Kachetkov. I think Kachetkov's uh, your starter. I think he's your starter. I have no problem with it. I think he's in a slump now, but no, he's your starting goaltender. He is your starter next year, plain and simple. You bring in a backup, you save money. Maybe. We'll see how that goes. But but you can bring in a backup. Even if you bring in someone with the ability of Peter Morazic, who's not having a good year in Chicago, I don't blame that on Morazic. They don't have anybody in front of him in, in Chicago. He's got to do it all himself, and he can't. But you bring in someone of that ability, where Morazic can come in and play, where James Reimer, if you bring in a goalie like that, Curtis McElhinney kind of, Curtis McElhinney-esque, the ability to play in those games if your goaltender maybe gets cold. So they're not really a backup per se, they're not really a starter, but they're that kind of in-between, where they're that, fr- we'll call them like in the hockey A 1B, games. a 1B goaltender. The fringe starter, the goalie that can come in, but Kochetkov was your guy, and the other goalie starts several in a row if he gets cold. But I think we're in a place where we can afford to go on the lower end for uh, pay rate. We're not going to be paying a goalie $5 million a year next year. No, I don't think we need to. And, but, they, and that gives, but I think at the end of the year, next year we've got a lot of cap space. You can bring in a, a player that makes a higher cap and from at the deadline for this year and next year and be fine. Yes, but you also have to remember the year after that, that's when pretty much all your players are. Which is fine, which is why I said this year and next year, you can afford to have a player that's higher. And if it's a two-year deal that expires at the end of next year, I think that's fine. That works. Or a one-year deal. Yeah, I think that works. For yeah. sure. If the Canes do get a free agent after the season, I think it's going to be a one-year deal. That's because of all the contracts that are going to be expiring the year after. But we'll see. Hey, I'm calling it. I told you, Tarasenko, he's going to be a hurricane. Oh, boy. Okay. Arisank is going to be a hurricane, whether it's at the free agency, whether it's at the deadline. I think he's going to come to Carolina. I think he wants to be here. Let's finish the Columbus game. (laughs) So, the third period, uh, we have Pesci scoring from Ajo. And what's interesting about that goal is that... that goal that Pesci made, it was he got his own rebound because he first shot it off of Corpusalo's mask. It fell off, but he was able to get the rebound and score. And now Columbus was like, well, he had his mask off. It fell off as the shot was coming. Yes. That's, that's a goal. Yeah, it's it's a goal because you cannot stop play um, in an instance like that to no. where you know it's an active shot as the mask is coming off and we score. So I think that was the right call for the officials. Yep. Good on them. Yep. For making that right call. And then you have Slavin with a blast of a shot. Yeah. From Ajo. Boy, that was such a blast. I believe it was off the post and then too. But yeah, there was no way he's stopping it. It was coming in like a bullet. Yeah, there was no way he was going to stop it, and plus he wasn't positioned well uh, in order to stop it either. And then so. Columbus gets their best player, and Johnny Goudreau scores. I mean, it's Johnny Goudreau. Yeah, it's Johnny Goudreau, and, and I mean, you could blame maybe you blame that on Brent Burns for not covering him well. It's I think also Johnny of it. Goudreau. <laughs> I was about to say, I think of it. I think Johnny Goudreau offensively is better than Burns playing defensively because I think he's really good. I still think he's really good. I mean, he's a really... He he is good. Columbus is not. And he's going to score. He still is scoring. So, you know, it is just what it is. I have no problem with the goal. I think it's fine. Nothing Anderson's doing on it. It was just a tap-in for him. 
Yes. And then the last goal just to cement things is driver scores. And a forward scoring. scores. Yes, a forward scores, which means driver should be playing defense. Yeah. So driver scores from Nathan and Cockney Another thing, too, I want to point out about this Columbus game is that that fourth line was playing excellent. It was KK, Jarvis, and Nathan, a good, hardworking goal. Jarvis gets the rebound off of a loose, maybe it was a loose puck, but he but he was able to get it backhand yeah. and scores. So just think about it, right? When we're healthy, that fourth line is either KK, Nathan, and Jarvis, or KK, Nathan, and Taravainen. There is not another team in the National Hockey League that's going to have a fourth line that good. No, there, there is nobody because you're not putting patches on that fourth line. Even if you did KK patches and Nason, that's good too. So you are of a you you're 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 good. Your 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 forward depth, I think, is very 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 good. So I think picking up a depth piece on the back end is the way to go at the deadline. If you feel now, like that's you, that, that that's what I've been saying is probably just a depth piece on the back end. I would like to bring Tony D'Angelo back. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. Do I think it's a trade that we that the Hurricanes could make work? Yeah, I do. I, I think it's not going to cost you a lot to bring him back because they would just like to get the cap space. But um, a depth move to bring in a good a good solid bottom six. You know, I, I would say you bring in a low end top four defenseman and you're fine. So, you know, someone who's kind of that fringe second, third pair defenseman. Yeah. And also, too, I think at the trade deadline, just the way the Canes are at financially, I think you can only make one move like that. That's $5 million. Yeah. And, and you, can, you can only make one move. Yeah. And you and we, can, like we can make that move. We saw it with uh, Max Domi. Yes. He was about the $5 million. So if you're making a move at about five, you're, you're able to make that happen. You just filter it through a couple teams. They'll take half. Next takes half, and then you give you pay for it. We're we're a top we're a top five team. We're not going to have a good pick, not at least not after the first round. I can understand the reasoning not wanting to give up your first round pick right now, only because it's a very 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 deep draft. And Bedard so, looks excellent. I know we're not going to get him, but he just looks excellent. Yeah, and everybody in this draft is good. So uh, you might get some icky moves on people not wanting to move there first. This year, it's more understandable than last year. I think it was a mistake. The Hurricanes didn't do more last year at the deadline and be willing to make some moves with that pick. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. We just got to see what we can do with this year. I think and I think I think we should be open to anybody that's out there. I've seen I, Hurricanes have been linked to some players I've been seeing recently. Kevin Hayes, Bo Horvat, Carolina is one of the five teams that are in the hunt for Bo Horvat. Um, Kevin Hayes has been linked to Carolina. I'm not the biggest fan of Kevin Hayes, but maybe a change of scenery does him a lot of good. Bo Horvat, I really really like. I've heard Timo Meyer mentioned a couple of times. So, you know, there are we, we are in conversations with a lot of these teams. And you have to understand Hurricanes fans too, and you know I've been more of an advocate that we need to do something at the deadline than every year because it just hasn't happened. I've completely agree with Adam Gold. We've not done it when we should have and gone all in for a playoff run. But just understand if you want the Hurricanes to go all in, that means it costs you. That means there is a player on this roster who might not be here at the deadline. And you might like that player a lot. And if they choose to to upgrade somewhere, that might happen because you have to move cap out in order to bring cap in. 
because we're a cap team. So someone's got to budge. Something has to give. You can filter the cap. You can filter it as much as you want. It costs more to do that. Just know if you want them to commit to someone like a Patrick Kane, as an example, just, you know, you got to move somebody out. You don't have a choice. Now, if Patches is really, really hurt, doesn't sound like it, but if you've got a LTIR Patches again, yeah, of course, you can, you can go out and do whatever the heck you want. you got $7 million to cap to deal with, and he's probably not coming back to the playoffs. So, you know, that would be that situation. But so it sounds like Patches is coming back. you got about, I think, about $2 million to wiggle with because of Kasha being on LTIR right now. That's one and a half. And so I think we're sitting at about that. So I, we've got cap. We got cap space. We we have something to do with at the deadline. We got some room to wiggle. So the, I ex, I expect us to make a move at the deadline. Oh, I do too. But I think I one move is. is the only move we can make. Yeah, and it's going to be dependent on what they value. Do I? I can see us getting. I can really see this team because I think players like Timo Meyer, Bo Horvat, Kevin Hayes, um, are are players that kind of fit in the Hurricanes wheelhouse. A younger player that might not be doing as well. Not the Kevin Hayes, but the Bo Horvats and the Timo Meyer. Timo Meyer is great. He's just on a bad team. And then you've got uh, I've seen us link to Jesse Pogliarvi and and Edmonton. I, I don't know about that one as much, but that's another player that kind of fits in the Don Waddell era kind of a player that they get a guy who's not who's young doesn't look so good there, but they think oh well you know he's young we'll take a chance kind of like KK so we'll see KK's been playing great too yeah he has and but I think I think you need to leave him on that fourth fourth line center because he's yeah. comfortable there um, you said. What's interesting is that you said that you're going to have to give up something in order to make a big move work. And I don't know what that is. I, I really wouldn't don't. be surprised if it was Paul Stastny. I just wouldn't. I know he's been... I mean, Brendan Moore says that he does a lot of the small things really good. The small things. So you move Paul but Stastny... I wouldn't be surprised if we moved him for someone like a Bo Horvath. I just wouldn't. So, yeah, and I think that's a possibility. I love Paul Stasny. So, again, that goes to where, for me, right? I love Stasny. That hurts to give up that player because it's but just, Bo, I've always Bo wanted Horvath. to see him as a hurricane. Bo Horvath's It's better. younger, and he's much better, and you move Stasny to pick, clears up one, one and a half million in cap, right? And it's like, okay. <laughs> you, you, you're like, okay. And it just it's just how that is. You have to give to get. I believe Carolina is going to be in on everything. I think they're going to be talking to everybody. Do I believe they're talking to Chicago about Taze and Kane? Yeah, because they want to know. They want to well, know Kane's what Kane's hurt, so I don't want to see a player. Uh, I'm not hurt. saying that we're bringing him in. You know, they're going to be in on Caves, Taze, and Kane. They're going to be in on Tarasenko if they try and move him. They're going to be in on Bo Horvat, Timo Meyer. You know, that is the difference between this administration and the former one for the Hurricanes, is we're in on everything. We're talking to everybody. We're going to be in on Kevin Hayes. We were in on Claude Giroux. We were in on all of these players to have this conversation, to be there, to be like, let's see what we can do. And will it always work? No, but at least we're talking. Beforehand, it was Carolina's never going to do anything. They're never going to go get this guy. They're never going to give it up because our picks were worth a lot because we were always top 10, top 15 in draft. Yes, let's get to the Penguins game. So, Penguins, there's not really much to talk about. It was a it was a very low scoring game. Yeah, it was a low scoring game, but you 
again, you had your defenseman scoring. Shea in the first period from Pesci and Martinuk. That was a just a great anticipated shot from yeah. Shea. It was and Shea was on the power play in this really game. Good. That was he the was. first time. Hey, you and I have been saying for the last like month that Shea should be on the power play. And he was, along with Pesci. And to be honest, I don't mind having two defensemen on one one power play unit. No, and while it's working, you, you go with what's working. And the unit, that unit, did did not score, but it looked very, very good. I hope to see it again today when we go to the game tonight. Yes, against Vancouver. And then in the second period, where are we going, Sam? Chapman, dude. Trapfield scores again from amazing pass from Ajo. Yep. And... Chad Field was able to get a slap shot and score. He has a good slap shot. Yeah. And then third period, you have a dumb decision made by Anderson. Yeah, Anderson thinks he's playing baseball. And that did not work out well at all. Maybe it's more like tennis. Anderson thinks he's playing tennis, tries to hit, drop the puck, hit the puck. Um, I'm sorry, Freddie. That is 100 and a million percent on you. It's rare that you can blame the entirety of the situation on the goaltender. That is on Frederick Anderson, but he was unbelievable tonight. We still won the game, so it doesn't matter. Just don't do it again, and we'll be okay. No harm, no foul. We win the game 2-1, to one, beat the Penguins, and we got to see a Penguin get arrested. I heard, it, I heard a Hurricanes fan did too, but that's not on video, so we don't care. Oh my God. We saw a Penguin get arrested, and you know that's hysterical to me. Um, I hate the Penguins. I hate it when their fans take over PNC Arena. I hate it when Rangers fans take over PNC Arena. Now, to be fair, I have met some really nice Penguins, Rangers, and Caps, and other fans. They're, sometimes they're great. I just, for whatever reason, most of the time we're sitting around the obnoxious ones. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, not much to say about that Penguins game, but we won 2-1. to one. Excellent uh, for Anderson to get a win, even though that was a dumb decision. And now we are going to head to the Vancouver game. So this game was just flat out not good for the Hurricanes. I didn't think they were atrociously bad, but I thought they were just flat in the fact that there wasn't really a desire to win this game. I think they. I think Rod said it best. They gave pretty much everything they had against Pittsburgh, and it just there just was nothing left. I think. I think this the late scratch of Jordan Stahl because he was he didn't well not scratch I guess he didn't play tonight due to personal reasons according to the to the team's press release. So I think that hurts too. You just you don't have your leader. You don't have. You don't have a lot left after a really, really tough, gritty, fought-out game against Pittsburgh. So you get a point in a game where you really didn't play all that good. And I don't think Vancouver played all that good either. But at the end of the day, it came down to a skills competition. And when it comes to offense, Vancouver's got it. And they got players who can deke you out. Pedersen schooled Kochetkov. I don't. I think. And you know what? If you want to take away a positive from this game... Um, it's that Kochetkov was very good. He was. All three of the goals that Vancouver scored on, none of it was his fault. It was all. I mean, I guess you could maybe blame the Ethan Bear as to he kind of made himself a little small there on the Ethan Bear shot. But even then, a lot of these were just defensive breakdowns yeah. by the team in front of him. Yeah, and that was just a great move in the shootout by Patterson. And Kochetkov obviously took it personally. He's going to blame himself. 
And, you know, you want a goaltender who's going to get that invested in everything he does. So, good for, good for, um, I think Kochetkov needed the win. I think it would have been better for him to get the win. But you know what? I you get a point in a game where you're, the team in front of you didn't play good. And, <clears throat> of course, that's got to be frustrating for for Kochetkov. Because he's just not getting he's not getting the defense either. So I think this off I think it's gonna be good for the team to not play for was it Monday, Tuesday, three days off. I think that's good for them. They've had a pretty grueling schedule. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, definitely. So I mean first period, I mean again, I I didn't really think the Hurricanes played themselves almost at all, except for maybe in the sec I thought the second period was their best period. Um, out of all the periods they played in tonight. And first period, though, I mean, Paul Stastny was able to get a goal from a gorgeous pass from Svechnikov. And DeHaan was able to get a point tonight. So you're getting points from your defensemen for the past few games, which is good. That's a positive. Then you have Jordan Martinuk scoring, which is 2 nothing, And, of course, in the second period, um... Very early on, I believe. No, it, no, no. It was later. Uh, it's former Hurricane Ethan Bear coming in for the goal. Yeah, and I mean, there was a decent. I, I, I thought when they gave congrats to Ethan Bear, I didn't think it was the crowd was terrible. No, I mean, there's no negative feelings toward him necessarily. There might be now, but yeah, <laughs> I don't think any of the. The team, the organization. I don't think the, the the fans had any negative feelings toward him. He was a fan favorite, but he just wasn't. He just wasn't what they needed here, and he didn't thrive. So good for him getting a shot in Vancouver. So hopefully he plays well there. Good for him on getting a goal against his former team. Um, kind of knew it was going to happen. It usually does. Former Hurricanes always tend to score against us, except for Eric Halla, who doesn't tend to always play that good against us. Um, Which is good because out of all the X. Hurricane players, uh, he's the one that's probably the hated the most. Oh yeah, for sure. So, but you know, it was it was it, it was what it was. Um, and you just you needed more. Really, the, you can sum this game up by saying you just you needed more. The offense, like you told me in the car, you feel like it's dried up. I think that's fair to assess. <clears throat> I think getting patches back will be good. I feel like you'll probably play Thursday. I mean, you were out of two of your top six, or I mean, top nine, I guess, forwards and stall and patch already. So you were up to seven defensemen, which is tough, especially when one of them's Coglin. But I think Coglin had a good bounce back game. I don't, I don't think he had anything bad, drew a penalty. Um, I really wasn't, you know, not. I didn't necessarily notice him on the ice, which that is better than compared to me noticing him for a glaring, horrific mistake that cost the goal. So, you know, if you want to take positives, Coglin wasn't bad tonight. I thought he was fine. Again, drew a penalty. So that's when I noticed him at that point. Um, your defense, I thought, looked fine. Shea looked good again. Um, so did Pesci on offense. On defense, they kind of got schooled on two, on both of the goals tonight, especially the I think it was the last one that they scored to tie. It was 17 seconds left. 
Yeah, that to me that was the dagger. Um, when they tied it, because I was just like, oh man, I don't know if Hurricanes can re- re- can go out there and win. And I mean, this game was really hard to get into if you're a Canes fan, because I didn't think Hurricanes played a fast no, game. No, I don't think either team, like I said, played well. Saw a few comments from some people on Twitter, reporters like Corey Lavalette, you know, calling it a snooze fest. So I think that's what it was. I mean, you and I struggled to get into this game. It just, it was just, it just was, it, it was a game that you just kind of felt like you were there. The fa- I, I didn't really feel like the fans were all that into the game. It was quiet. Um, and I mean, I get it. Cause I, and I get it from the player side and the fan side, when you're at a game like this and you versus a game like Pittsburgh, where you're going to deal with opposing teams, fans being loud. The the atmosphere in that game is always going to be more so than it is against the Sharks or not Sharks, but like it is against the um, Vancouver. But Canucks. but when you said the uh, Sharks, it's kind of the same concept because there's not a lot of um, familiar opponents there because yeah. you're not playing them that often. Yeah. So there definitely is an intensity factor. When it comes to meeting the same team multiple times, and those should be the teams within your division. Um, I know you and I, we've talked about maybe extending the games to 84 for more in-division games, which I think would be perfect for the NHL. But, uh, I mean, coming out of this game, it it sucks the Hurricanes didn't win, but you got to look at the bigger picture. I mean, back-to-back... Home stand, you get three out of four points. That's pretty good. Yeah, there's. I don't think there's a concern. I mean, I it's, guess and the home stand's not over. We play. It, it's a five. It's a three it's a game. game. It's a three game home stand. Oh, four. We play Minnesota. It's at home. Oh, that's right. Okay, uh, but because it was what was it? It was no. Is it three? It is three because it's the back to back and then Minnesota because then it was New Jersey on the road. Mm-hmm. Or was New Jersey? No, we it was were, Columbus on the yeah, road. Yeah, it was Columbus on the road. Uh, but, I mean, Minnesota's going to be a lot harder of a team than Vancouver. And now, I could definitely see some rustiness in probably the first period of that game. Because we, we are coming off a three-day break. But Hurricanes need to be more focused in Minnesota. And that's the, just, that, that's the key takeaway from... Uh, the Vancouver game, there needs to be more intensity, more focus. And when you do get that, you, you're more primed to get a goal. Yeah. Look, I think a perfect example was Aho was driven and focused when he came out to try and get a puck. He got a breakaway out of it, and he scored. That was that's focus. That's intensity right there. Canes yeah. didn't have that tonight, unfortunately. You know, that is what it is at times, and you just got to move forward. And hope you get something out of it. You got to let this one go. I don't think Kuchet, I think Kuchetkov is going to let be hard be hard more hard pressed to let this one go. And honestly, I start him against the Wild. Really, I start Kuchetkov against the Wild. I thought he did well. I think he earned a consecutive start. <clears throat> and I think it'd be good. I think it's good to show confidence in him. I think you start him, let him go. If, if if things are don't go quite the way you want, 
you know, we we you, then you reevaluate. I mean, it because you want to give him a chance to keep his net because it's his net. It, it's Kochetkov's net. It has been. So you you want to give him a fair shot to earn it back because I think maybe Anderson's in the process of taking it over again, which is awesome. You want competition. So, you know, we go that way. We see what happens. I don't know if Kochetkov gets sent down. Anderson was not the backup tonight. It was Ranta. I don't think there's anything there other than just going to give Anderson the night off. So. Well, yeah. And honestly, I mean, I kind of think of a three-day break as a way of maybe at the end of that, maybe they make a goaltending transaction and maybe you send Kachekov down at the end of that three-day break. So I don't know. Because, you know, there's going to be practices, obviously, during that three-day yeah, break. Yeah, I think you give him a day off in, in one of them. But, yeah, for sure. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll definitely see what happens. Uh, so for this week, we will not be doing the 25th anniversary episode. So remember, if you like this episode, please rate subscribe and if you want to keep up to date you can follow us on our instagram and twitter accounts i know that we've gotten a huge influx of listeners recently so we will see you guys next week bye